right, ladies and gentlemen. So, many of you were just hanging out with me on the other show, and now we are here. We are here to start off another book club, and I hope that you have just really uh, you've strapped in because this is going to be a good one. Here we are here with our co-host this evening. That is Jay Dyer, Jay's analysis. Jay, how you doing, man? doing great friends uh frank thanks for having me i'm glad to be back in this text it's been about six or seven years since i've looked at it so um i'm sure i'm going to see a lot more this time around no doubt about it. And, and you are in you are drenched in marxist red i am that's why i went with the full-on marxist world socialist controller so you can call me Mustafa Mon tonight. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing. So then here's what we'll do. We're going to do a little bit of just a general thoughts, and I, then we're going to build off of the, the, the thread entries from everybody in the audience to then go into deeper observations and text that we might have seen. Uh, for me, Jay, chapters one and two of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, I think those go together pretty well because you have it opens up with this gray soviet style ugly building and above it is the um is the distinction it's a hatchery and a conditioning center so you think you're about to be led into some kind of a, a dismal chicken coop but instead it's a house of dystopian horror and there is a young class of students that's being given a tour of how the future or in the present of human the human race has been reduced to a biochemical manufacturing operation and it, it, it reduces the miracle of life to this sterile and completely devoid of any romantic quality i mean it, it's it is it's devoid of stripped of anything that is really uh i don't know indicative of being alive so i in one line i saw in there that i i particularly loved was the light was frozen, dead, a ghost. Even even that right there, Jay, expresses the feelings that I have for uh, LED lights. Well, I love soft white incandescent versus this LED that has no glow to it. So that was the opening right there. On one and two, obviously there's a lot of details. Where, 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 do, you, uh, where do you really take away from this? Yeah, I would start, like uh, we were mentioning a second ago, um, with the foreword that <clears throat> Huxley wrote to the vo the volume that I have, I just happened to pick up like a random kind of mass print version of it from um, Harper Perennial Publishers. And uh, I don't know when he wrote this, but it was after he had published the book and had been out for a while. And so he wrote a, a little uh, foreword that's about six, seven pages kind of reflecting on things he would have changed. And I won't spoil it because it does talk about the ending, but, Basically, he says that um, what I wrote is not a fiction book primarily. It's actually the plan that a specific group of people have for the world. And it's going to be clear actually in the text who he's referring to. And that group that he's talking about are, in fact, the Fabian Socialists. And that's also who uh, George Orwell wrote his uh, 1984 about as well as about the Fabian Socialists. And he's going to make that clear because in the text... There's actual references to various Fabian writers and strategies, including George Bernard Shaw himself, mm -hmm. I think in chapter one or two. But yep. basically Huxley says, uh, in short, that he um, wouldn't have presented two options if he had rewritten the book. He would have uh, written a third possible option of people having an, an out for the system, a kind of a breakaway civilization where they could uh, live in some form of what he calls a libert, I think he calls a libertarian, uh, some kind of libertarian, voluntary-based society, 
versus the World Socialist Society versus the little reservation in New Mexico of, uh, you know, the savages or whatever. But he says that regardless of how he would have written the book differently, the novel's plans for womb-to-tomb conditioning, womb-to-tomb drug conditioning, Mm. mass drugging, total control of population, total control of reproduction, uh, total control of uh, everything that you can think of in terms of diet, everything is basically a biochemical prison, and eugenics laws, divorce laws, all the uh, divorce and all these things are, are necessary to bring about this brave new world scenario. So in other words, what he says is that this is the culmination of all the previous revolutions. So he says, if you want to understand what the final revolution is, he says the final revolution that began with the French revolution all the way up until now, including the Marxist revolutions and the capitalist revolutions, he says, all of those are culminating in this book, which is the final revolution, which is the revolution against man himself. So I think this opening salvo here, the setting of this cold, sterile facility where uh, humans are hatched like eggs, like chickens, right? The Mm -hmm. hatchery um, makes perfect sense with what he set us up with in terms of his forward. And the irony, the, the first thing that sticks out to me that's ironic is that we have alphas, betas, gammas, deltas, and epsilons. That's the order of the hierarchy of, of beings that are that come to be from the hatchery, and they program and predestine how many they want and how they want to tweak it for you know for the maintenance of this contri- uh, totally controlled society. It's a rigid hierarchy, but we've been told that the revolutions, uh, you know, going back to French Revolution, which is kind of where modern communism comes from. I thought revolutions are going to make everybody equal. No doubt. It's going to be fair. But no, in this society, it's not about equality. In other words, it was all a lie. Right? There is no perfectly egalitarian society. And uh, humans, we find out, are really just creatures and slaves uh, of mass production for this clone army, more or less. They basically just create through what they call social predestination and through total quantification um, however many humans they need for these various strata of society, and they are standardized. So in other words, they try to weed out individualized characteristics or creativity or individual identity because the motto of the society, kind of like what we see in 1984, right? Freedom is slavery, ignorance is knowledge, blah, blah, blah. Uh, war is peace. Uh, this society's dictum is community, identity, and stability. Yes. And, of yes. course, they mean that in a totally collective sense. They don't mean it in any kind of individual sense. In fact, that has to be weeded out. So mass-produced humans um, within the first few pages, um, racks of humans that come uh, basically pre-ordered, <laughs> I know. which is kind of where we are now, right? We're getting to this point where you can get designer babies, right? Dude, so, no doubt. I mean, dude, yeah. we, it, was just, it was just back in... Uh, I don't know. It might have been right before the New Year's when we started getting those, those uh, almost like uh, coming attraction of, of articles about this one particular. They say it was a 
it was a fictitious place, they say. Obviously, it probably exists already uh, in multiple countries. But they said that these, these particular hatchery laboratories would be able to, the number that they uh, threw out there was 30,000 children a year they'd be able to produce in these laboratories. And it was all by way of these artificial wombs. How many times on Twitter, Jay, have you seen those, uh, those, those videos go by your dashboard with a little baby lamb that is being grown inside of a silicon sack? And they're just showing you how they're 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 making this possible for all types of organic matter, and um, yeah, I think everything you read in chapters one and two is it really sets the stage to let the reader know that in this world, human life is so tightly controlled at every phase of development. It's so carefully and and so carefully crafted to to fit a brand new caste system that is based not on who your parents were or how much money your you know your 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 grandparents made or if you were the you know aristocrat aristocrat or anything like that but it was a caste system based on predetermined genetics i mean the the first two first two and inevitably the first three chapters it can almost make the reader claustrophobic because you have to imagine what kind of freedom is there outside of what they're laying down as a foundation? And there's, uh, there's very little. Here, here's a little something on page 13. As you were saying before, what they had brought uh, the new humanity to. They said, which brings us at last, continued Mr. Foster, out of the realm of mere slavish imitation of nature into the much more interesting world of human invention. Uh, we, almo- uh, we, we also predestine in, in condition. We decant our babies as socialized human beings, as alphas, as ypsilons, as future sewage workers or future, and then he was going to say future world controllers, but correcting himself said future directors of hatcheries, world controllers. This Klaus Schwab just said this three weeks ago at the World, Econo- uh, the world Government Forum. Yeah, Noah Yuval Harari did too. He said, we'll grow people in Africa out of the hatcheries. We'll clone them. He literally said that. I'm not joking. We played uh, that clip on one of my InfoWars uh, hours. So, yeah, I think um, you mentioned the caste system. That's a good point because, you know, Huxley's writing from the vantage point of the British Empire, which had um, by this time in the 1930s when this came out, 1932, they had already really been uh, fully ensconced in this plan of the Milner Fabian Rothschild group. So the Fabians had uh, been chosen as the preeminent ideology that would take over. And Fabianism is the marriage of big capital with Marxism. It's called reform Marxism. And that's why you'll find him referencing things like uh, George Bernard Shaw, because he's one of the most famous of the Fabian socialists in the, they actually mentioned by name in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but point being is that the caste system is also from India, right? India is a caste system. And so India was a British colony. So I think the British kind of picked this up from the you know the period when they ruled India uh, as a uh, future element in their, their technocratic designs. And so this is the world that we're going into. And again, he's writing from the vantage point of the Fabian socialists. So this is, this, that's why this, this novel is so important. So um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that it's a caste system. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, and the math, you know, the other thing that, that as far as just characters go, um, the math is dizzying in the first couple of uh, in the first couple of chapters. It's almost disorienting to read these characters babbling or in bubbling with such yeah. with such pride, how they, they've been able to create an army of clones. And, and you need to keep reminding yourself that they're talking about people. 
that they're talking about people because the, everything has been stripped of any kind of normal human reference there. And we, as we go deeper into the, the, the conditioning phases of chapter two and then three, where you see that they have reduced any reference to family or parents as to be equal to smut is, um, it, it's just really incredible. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's where we are right now. So let's get to chapter three or chapter two and three. Um, this is why I say that this book is even more relevant than 1984, uh, where 84 gives you a really great way of uh, looking into ministry of truth, memory holding things, gaslighting on forever wars, things like that. What we're going through right now as far as social uh, reconditioning and reprogramming, the trauma-based mind control of the infants with the flowers and the books, Jay, that that kind of like, that puts a barb in your heart right there. That uh, just to think about infants being completely uh, severed from things that should naturally cause them to feel wonder and awe and and then to to try to, uh, to, to make sure that they never find anything... Uh, anything attractive or comforting in in a bowl of flowers or or the, the the words printed on paper because knowledge is bad nature is uh is something that that needs to be deadened it's go on with that a little bit please yeah um before chapter one ends there's a couple more things that are mentioned which is that the different um casts the alphas the betas etc um, they're all engineered for specific tasks and purposes, and they've, they're all given their uh, conditioning such that they think their cast is perfect, right? Even the betas think that their situation is better than the alpha uh, because they don't have to think as much. And so, you know, certain casts are engineered to have low intelligence to do menial, menial work. Others are, uh, you know, engineered to have really high IQs, the alphas and so forth. Um, but there was also weird references to sometimes the the manipulation of the genetics causes the women to grow beards in some of the casts which mm. i thought was funny but um certain uh they're all inoculated at birth that might be relevant to some events of recent times but the keep in mind this is prior to jonah salk this is 1932 and huxley's talking about everybody being being given stabbies at birth interesting Chapter two begins with <clears throat> the statement that the infant nurseries are um, <clears throat> neo-Pavlovian. And so Pavlovian operant conditioning is really, I think, going to begin to give us keys into the fact that, um, in my view, uh, Huxley actually is talking about uh, an early version of MKUltra. And that's because uh, my interview I did some, some years ago with uh, Dr. Richard Spence, who wrote the book, on Crowley called Secret Agent 666, um, he theorized that Crowley's drug diaries uh, might have been read, I think I think he mentions Huxley, uh, by Huxley, and that might have actually inspired MKUltra in the UK in places like Tavistock before it had even been a uh, U.S. Army and then later CIA program. So I think we are actually getting, rereading this, I'm thinking, okay, now he's mentioning Pavlov operant conditioning, he mentions sleep studies, mentions electroshocking babies for operant conditioning uh and he mentions uh hypnosis and uh hypnopedia all of which also are elements of mkultra so I, I think that he's absolutely telling us that this future society the conditioning of the creatures that come to be is via actual mkultra programs yes 
Yes, absolutely, and and you can just see here too with the the trauma based that trauma based mind control, yes. right. um, the disassociation, and that's and that's exactly what what's going on here when you have these infants that are being now uh, they're 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 going to want to disassociate from all of those uh, those inlaid experiences around the 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 loud explosion sounds and everything else. But you know the other thing I really love. Um, that shows itself very early on, and this 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 pops up in the uh, right before the chaos of chapter three, where you have these revolving <laughs> scenes. You have Bernard Marx that is starting to really hate um, the way that 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 uh, what's his name Foster? Who's the uh, who's Lenina's uh, main squeeze? I forget his name. Well, he, she likes. Uh, she has a thing for John the Savage, and she has a thing for. She has several crushes, doesn't she? She likes Bernard Marx and and John the Savage. Is there another character she likes? I'm trying to remember. It's the one that she's dating right at the beginning. That her girlfriend says you should. Oh yeah, yeah. She's like, why are you only sleeping with Henry Foster? Yeah, yeah, Henry Foster. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as Foster's talking about Lenina, Marx is 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 getting mad about how disposable Lenina is to her. Uh, Lenina is is being told, hey you shouldn't want these monogamous feelings. Um, And and that's the other thing I really love about this because all the references, all the things that were done chemically and psychologically to break people away from these, these natural states of being to want the monogamy, to to want that kind of that connection um, to, to not be completely depersonalized after all that conditioning and genetic engineering characters like Lenina, they still have that inner spark to want to just be with one person, to feel emotions, to have that kind of togetherness. And, uh, and, and, and that's why when everything else fails, there's the Soma. And then right. we start seeing the pharmaceutical aspect of things come into the several <laughs> layers of other, uh, of other programming that has already been written. Yeah, they had to do the shock therapy for the deltas, for example. It says to end their love of nature and things like flowers. So they actually attached negative uh, reinforcement and negative emotions to the electroshock anytime a flower or a beautiful nature scene would appear. However, it says they continue to cultivate in the deltas a love of sports. <laughs> so, uh, so he's basically saying that you know if if you're if you're into sports, then you're lowbrow, you're dumb, right? And that's what they're going to do in the future is basically utilize sports as this kind of a control mechanism for the working class. Um, but yeah, he goes on to say that in chapter two that this complete end of the family, total collectivism. They make uh, natural human sexuality into something gross because everyone's born in the state. And they, they begin to tell the stories of how humans came to be. And everybody's like, ooh, gross. They're born, you know, uh, from vaginas. I can't believe that, right? Um, and it is chapter two where they mention George Bernard Shaw. And they mention um, essentially the Fabian socialist model there of getting rid of uh, mother and father. They also mentioned Immanuel Kant, uh, which I didn't remember. The categorical imperative is the morals that are in, uh, instilled within, I guess, the alphas, right? So the alphas are actually given moral programming and um, their own kind of ethos, and the other classes are not given those things. They are, however, also conditioned. So even if you're an alpha, you have a high IQ and all that, you're still brainwashed into the system, right? Just, so... Um, last point in chapter two that i thought was interesting was that they have these chants that they say so you sort of like convince yourself of the mantras of the state through being raised through the hypnopedia 
sleep sleep uh, programming that you've received but you also are supposed to chant this stuff all the time like <laughs> the, the reinforcements of the state you do it like a mantra um which reminds you of your child conditioning right where you heard all this stuff and uh these are the suggestions of the state right so in other words uh you just repeat these suggestions um and then one guy I, i'm trying to remember who it is my oh it's the director says that with all the suggestions and the and the repeating that they do, he says this makes the mind the suggestions. The mind is the suggestions, and this remains so for all of that person's life. So it's like, you know, every element of mind control that you could think of, in, including like just repetitive mindlessness. Um, and, it, and, and it all lays in is what is laying down there is it just showing you that this, this is what every character. Every character going forward is going to be working against. If there's going to be any way to break through this, it's going to be a very, very long slog, and they're going to be very, very alone in that journey because, uh, I mean, you're up against... It's very... um, if I ever do, I should have paired up a film club with uh, that movie Equilibrium along with this one, especially the whole, you know, you're very tightly tightly monitored controlled authoritarian society the the soma aspect the ability the ability for human emotion to really set ablaze the fires of of passion and revolution and why emotion has to be beaten down and all all natural um all natural gravitation toward nature is uh needs to be ruined that's the other thing there too um, the ability to form interpersonal relationships that mean something because there is a, a bond there that can't be broken, an unspoken bond. Well, if there's anything else uh, that works... Well, what, you know, go, ahead. go ahead. No, please. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I remember in Equilibrium, uh, Jamie and I, we, we, we recently watched it because we did every dystopian movie chronologically. So whatever in the fictional story, the timeline is supposed to be... We went from like, I think we started with Mad Max, which is supposed to be like 1989 or something. No, we started with 1984, I think. And then we worked our way all the way up to the last one was like uh, H.G. Wells Time Machine because it goes all the way to like the year 5 million or whatever. Anyway, um, but we did the uh, Equilibrium. And one thing I remember is that Equilibrium is basically all of the other dystopian novels into one movie. So it's got the elements of 1984. It's got elements of of Brave New World and other other stories as well. Um but uh, the weirdest part, I think, that comes up next is, and I don't mean to change the subject. If you had any, anything else on that, go no, ahead. No, no, but. no. You're probably getting to, you're probably getting to the part that I was I was going to bring up here too, as far as the conditioning goes. Well, the PEDO part. Yes. So yeah. So basically, they mentioned the fact that in the old world, um, PEDO stuff was considered immoral and was uh, suppressed, and now they encourage this and so basically have the uh se actualization of kids and i think again this is relevant because not only are they promoting and conditioning the kids to do what they call erotic play uh this is um something that revolutionaries and communists have always kind of pushed but it's it's also um far prior to the 60s counterculture revolution and our sexual revolution of today so this again vindicates the fact that it's Blavatsky and the Fabian socialists and these these people who were like, for example, in the Milner Fabian book that I've been lecturing through recently, he goes into the historian, he goes into the history of how they were actually pushing 
the total sexual revolution the Fabians were in the 1890s. So wow. they were they were pushing all this stuff back then, and then the counterculture of the 1960s basically just picked up all this stuff that these people were way ahead of doing. So the 60s counterculture sexual revolution wasn't new. It was just these people regurgitated. When I, when I read this, when I read that part, the first time I read this as an adult, it was in 2016 or 17. And I was uh, I was at a, a, an airport in, I think I was at LAX, and I was getting to this part, and I was saying, what the fuck am I reading? And, um, and it's because it's the erotic play. I forgot it, that was in here. I forgot that. that oh, it's, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I was actually... I couldn't wait uh, to, to get this onto the record and talk about it because, especially now, you know, I um, I was talking with uh, somebody close to me said something really ridiculous lately. Uh, they don't really look into much. They don't think very deeply about things. And whenever it comes to something that has smacks of politics, all common sense break uh, shuts down, and they don't see any of the real bigger things happening. And when it comes to drag queens drag queen story hour and this obvious pushing it onto children why why the you know dra drag shows have been around for decades it, it's a uh, fringe uh, uh adult sexual entertainment it's a really like a clown show it's more comedy than anything and i have no problem that they're out there some adult wants to go there on a bachelor party and and, and have a ridiculous night whatever but what we're seeing right now what we're seeing right now is not comparative to let's say Elvis Presley being on on the uh, on uh, the Ed Sullivan in the 1950s and only having to be shot from the waist up because he was gyrating his hips, uh, you know it, it, they, they thought that well you know what they did to Elvis they're doing to the drag queens now so, you know you don't understand it's a slippery slope, it's so incredible, and it's so on out there and when you read this one part especially I feel I always I felt bad. When I read the the part of uh, the little girl that that walks out with the little boy and and the teacher or whatever, and the boy was not comfortable with the erotic play, and he just he didn't want to be a part of it. And the girl said, "I didn't mean to hurt him or anything." And he apparently is taken off to a psychologist to be reprogrammed to find out what's wrong with him. When oh. every everything is wrong, this all goes against the grain of nature, and and it's just incredible how from the beginning they're telling you we are we are taking you away from we're giving you we're we're destroying the tools that you need to create lasting personal relationships, and we're making everything that is good about humanity equivalent to smut, and good luck good luck breaking out of this one, and it's happening to us in real time right now. Yeah, another important element is the uh, that a lot of people don't get or they miss, not you, but uh, people that, you know, maybe read it in high school and don't know the whole story of, you know, the Milner-Fabian Rothschild circles is that the the names of the people, the characters are significant because it's, it's Marxists and capitalists. So you'll find uh, Bernard Marx. You'll find uh, Lenina. That's the feminine of Lenin. You'll find Polly Trotsky. Right, um, and then you get uh, the year of our Ford, right? So Henry Ford, you know this arch capitalist who, by the way, actually was influenced by uh, Fabian socialism via reading um, George Bernard Shaw. Um, the future that's envisioned here is a synthesis of monopoly capitalism and Marxism socialism. That is the Fabian model, and that's. That's what uh, what what the key behind the names is that a lot of people miss, I think. But 
Mustafa Mond is uh, interesting because he's one of these world socialist controllers. So what we notice is that when they speak about, for example, the Polish uh, figure from history, nobody knows who Poles are or what Polish is. Yep. So we know there's no nation states. Nation states have been completely eradicated. German is, is an is extinct language. Tent. They say Ger- German's an, an extinct language too. That That's referred to yep. as an extinct language. Yeah, so the whole world is run by 10 world socialist constro- controllers and there's a world state. Um, and they've even sort of created a new religion based around Henry Ford, uh, the year of our Ford, right? They've replaced uh, Christ with that. And even the Model T, right, car is the Model Tau. So it's a society that now worships basically technocracy or technological advancement. And just lastly, I'll mention that um, we have references to the fact that you don't read history, right? You don't get books. You don't get history. They, they say history is bunk. And at one point, I think uh, Mustafa Mon basically says something like, there is no history. There's basically only the party. He doesn't say there's only the party, but he says all of the stuff that you might have uh, heard about, Babylon, Jesus, Odysseus, Buddha, Jupiter, all of this stuff about history, it's gone. It's whisked away. It doesn't exist anymore. We raised it to the ground which is that Maoist model of culture, uh, culture revolution to destroy all the past, because that is the mindset of these people. You have to destroy the past to control the present and to control man. Man can't have a past because then he could define, he could find meaning in his past. Right. Yes. And then, uh, there's these movies, which are, which are funny because they're like metaverse real time movies, which they call feelies. And they're basically just prawn and explosions is all the, all the movies are. Um, they're called feelies. Yes, <laughs> but it's, it sounds like the metaverse, basically. It, it seriously does. It does. Yeah, no, that that last chaotic end to uh, to chapter three, and you get a lot of it. It's it's switching between Lenina and Foster, and of course the last of the tour, the the maniacal tour through the hatchery and the conditioning place where they're just letting it, all the kids know, all the younger recruits know, the younger clones know what what's going on there. There was a thing, as I said before, called Christianity. There was a thing called heaven. There were things mm-hmm. called, as you said, and I brought it up on my 7 o'clock show tonight, of the replacing and the, the destruction and replacing of the past to control the future. They even managed to get rid of the pyramids. Yeah. These these enormous... Yeah, somebody, somebody was going at me the other day. I don't, I don't remember if it was on Twitter, but it's something like... You keep saying that they say you're not going to read books or Shakespeare. Where is any of this? I'm like, did you not read Brave New World? Do you understand that Brave New World is not a fiction novel? It's fiction, but it's telling you what the plan is. You don't read Shakespeare in the Bible in Brave New World. They're banned. They don't exist. They're gone. So that Huxley is telling you the Royal Society plan. And now what did we just see in the last week? What did you see the news stories, right? They're rewriting the text of Roald Dahl and James Bond, right? Yeah. They're rewriting those texts, and now they want to ban, uh, they want to ban C.S. Lewis and uh, uh, Tolkien because they're quote honky supremacists, right? Which is ridiculous, but that's where this is going, right? When you see that kind of stuff, you see the books are being rewritten. Uh, that's the path to the books being banned, and that's the path to this, which is that you won't be reading Shakespeare, you won't read the Bible, all that's gone. 
Yes, yes. I know. Now let's get into this uh, this thread and let's just jump on what people are saying here. Arminius says, "Anyone else noticing an unusually large amount of difficult words? I thought I had a recent, I had a decent vocabulary, but finding I have to look up the definition of a lot of challenging words. Well, hey, uh, you're t- 1932. I mean, just you're." It, it is a, uh, you know, we're, we're not too far from that post-Victorian way of writing. If you ever read F. Scott Fitzgerald, you need a dictionary. If it's the first time reading him, at least. It's an, it's almost an extinct language. This is not like Fitzgerald, but yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of things that have been, have been uh, collected. Did you dust. notice the part about drug in the water? That was pretty crazy. No, 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 I didn't see that. Yeah, he mentions uh, on page 48 of my copy, which is part three, he says that, yeah, we picked up the technique from the Russians, which is the infecting of the water supplies. There it is. The, the yeah, Russian which, which, by the way, uh, water fluoridation actually does come from um, Bolsheviks or Soviets. That's, that's an old Soviet technique to fluoridate and poison the water supply. But um, there's a mention, too, of a, at some point in the past, there was this great economic collapse. I thought that was interesting. Um, the Mustafa Mon says that you rule, by, you don't rule by uh, armies. You rule by brains and buttocks. So basically, controlling man's passions uh, with you know scientism or technocratic scientifically. Um, he talks about the fact that the the technique of trying to force a technocracy or a top down tyranny doesn't work. And he talks about the slow kill model, which is the Fabian model again, another hint that uh when mustafa man is going into all these uh, you know dictates that he has um we're seeing that that it's a fabian thing they also mentioned malthus so that that's the reference to the population control from malthus the malthusian belt that you wear mm-hmm. and um there's a campaign against the past museums don't exist anymore there are no books prior to the last 150 years so they basically just burn all the books uh, or it says the suppression of all books published before the year 150 uh, AF. So after uh, some previous war, they basically, what they call the nine years war, uh, they had the campaign against the past and they destroyed any book prior to 150 AF. By the way, this is supposed to be taking place in the year 2500 for those that are curious. Yeah, and and, and they go on, as I said, uh, they needed new ways of being able to do this because the gassing wasn't working and all that. So uh, apparently they just bred it out of us. They they bred us into submission, uh, breeding into submission. Here's another one at the end. Work play at 60. At 60, our powers and tastes are what they were at 17. Old mm-hmm. men in the bad old days used to renounce, retire, take to religion, spend their time reading, thinking, thinking. Like, like can you imagine can you imagine retiring after 60 and taking to religion and having a book and relaxing and thinking? We, can, we cannot have this. So it's, um, it, it, it's a hellscape. It really is. And it that's is, why yeah. I, I know a lot of the people who have written into this, uh, this thread here, they have, uh, they have, conf- they have uh, shared feelings of nausea just in the first couple of chapters. And yeah, it's going to continue on like that for a little while. Um, yeah, did you notice the... That they talked about you don't eat meat. They think that's weird that people eat, ate meat in the past. That's World Economic Forum Klaus level stuff there. Um, and they go into describing Soma as the replacement for religion or Christianity. Soma is like the new sacrament that you take. And it's like a combination of like a, a hallucinogen and a SSRI, you know, Prozac plus 
like an opiate or something. So it's like this weird mix of, you know, whatever. It's going to make you feel good no matter what. Uh, did you notice the transfusion? Youth? Young blood transfusion. I what saw the youthful blood. I saw that. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I didn't remember that being in there. Uh, everything is uh, basically dictated around pleasure. So there's a, the sexuality is you're supposed to sleep with everybody. And that's because everybody belongs to everybody in this society, they say, right? That's one of their mantras that they chant. Everybody belongs to everybody. Um, and so everything's uh, sexuality is purely about pleasure and sport. And there's, it has nothing to do with intimacy or reproduction because that's all controlled by the state. Um, and you're supposed to uh, basically not have a relationship with anybody over four months. And if you do, you get in trouble from the, you know, uh, controllers mm. so one of the characters is beginning to develop that you know longer term uh, intimacy that she wants but yeah so basically it's like everything is inverted 100 completely it's, it's uh you know nightmare level uh it's the worst dystopia you could think of. i mean actually 19 i, I go back and forth between 1984 because i just recently reread 1984 too so um you know o'brien is actually like way more evil in ways than Mustafa Mond does. Yeah. Because if you read, because O'Brien's like, I, I just want to torture you because I hate human beings and I'm, I'm forever going to stamp on the face of human beings. I mean, we kind of have the same, it's just Mustafa Mond's a lot more low key. He's not, he's not as right. A man, a man of science where he's the man of the, uh, he's the man of the club. And he, here's one. Yeah. For, I, I thought this was an interesting comment. I'll, I'll see how many we can get through in the next 20 minutes, but still, I don't, I, I think we're all we're on the same page. Um, altitude at alt, uh, attitude at altitude said, "I've always struggled with literary analysis, but here's a few things that popped out of me while completing the reading. Keep the embryo below par. The lower the cast, the lower the oxygen. I that yes, I'm glad that you brought that up about oxygen deprivation. How oxygen deprivation was a key." Uh, a key part of lowering the cast and the development of a, of a specific embryo. Dumb it down so it more eats more easily controlled. Doesn't that sound awfully familiar? Lower the standards to the point that even those above average give up and degenerate to substandard. All conditioning aims at making people like their unescapable social destiny. <clears throat> Makes me think how our world conditions us to create the feeling of inescapable destiny. These are lies to keep us trapped in their hamster wheel. What man has what man has joined, nature is powerless to put asunder. What a horrible perversion of what God has joined, of what God has joined, let men not separate. Um, can't have a lower caste people wasting the com community's time over books and god forbid they read something that might uh, decondition them why do they have why have they gotten rid of real classic literature study in schools and why they're rewriting children's books like dr seuss doll etc just like you just brought up uh, we condition the masses to hate the hate the country end quote Moral education ought never be rational. If people are always confused about what is right, they'll blindly follow the state to avoid being wrong. Uh, and here's another quote. Uh, not so much like drops of water, though water, uh, uh, thought water, it is true. Uh, can wear holes in the hardest granite. That's right. The water can, the drops wear holes in the hardest granite. Rather, drops of liquid sealing wax, dropping that adhere in crust, incorporate themselves with what they fall on till finally the rock is all one scarlet blob. Great imagery there. Uh, one other quote, 62,400 repetitions make one truth. 
Uh, if you tell a big lie enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and, and or military consequences of the lie. So it brings up to show the, the difference or the, um, the, the, equi- the equal between Joseph Goebbels and, and the text. And as you said, this is 1932. So it was in development probably in the late 20s. Uh, this was ju- yeah, the 32 is a year before Hitler was even uh, came to uh, the chancellorship. And damn, man. Have you read the Lord Birkenhead, uh, Birkenhead essay in Cosmopolitan from right around this time? No, I haven't. I'll send you that. Uh, you can look it up on Google. Uh, it's relevant because he's also one of these uh, Royal Society British elites that's in the circles of Huxley. And he wrote a famous essay, I think in the 20s in cosmopolitan magazine he basically says all the same stuff but it's not a fiction work he's saying save this article because in 100 years you know in 2029 or whatever um children will be born in test tubes you know you'll be tracked tracing controlled he basically lays out the technocracy himself uh, in this other essay which mirrors very perfectly with brave new world and the last thing i would i noticed about chapter three too that i did want to mention is that um, the way they picture Mustafa Mond is uh, religious and all of its uh, symbology. So he's actually hailed and, and, and revered uh, in this, you know, reverent way. And they actually picture him like Christ at the end of the chapter where there is a girl who's coming up to him. Uh, and it's in the context of PEDO. And some guy says the DAC shouts and says get away from here don't you understand this is uh his his Ford ship Mustafa Mond yeah and Mustafa Mond said he says go do your erotic place somewhere else <clears throat> and he says suffer the little children in other words let them come unto me so that's <clears throat> direct reference to Christ he's 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 this antichrist kind of figure and it's all the more wicked because in the context of uh you know PEDO stuff so. right I thought that was an extreme, extreme inversion there in that section. And dude, this is this is chapter one through three. I mean, yeah. th- that that's it. I mean, that is just that's your walking through the door of this, and it, it's quite an introduction. And mm-hmm. I know I got a couple of comments like this too from uh, uh, Mylin seventy two says the wording is confusing at times. I found it hard to figure out what was going mm-hmm. on and who was saying it. I I know what you mean, Lynn. Uh, it's like you have to establish a certain rhythm with Huxley in this book uh, because it can especially at the end of chapter 3 sometimes you're like whoa whoa whoa, wait who Um, the imagery and the ideas are so disturbing like young children encouraged to engage in the erotic play made me think stuff like we see today the drag queen story hours etc because this book might as well have been written last week I'm incredulous that it was written in 1931. Wow, just wow. Thank you for Book Club, Frank and Jay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's more here. Here, Oh, let me ask you about this. Linda Semmel says, the phrasing lupus colored, lupus colored, led me down a rabbit hole. I looked up lupus, which I heard, heard of, but was never actually realized it was an autoimmune disease where people develop a reddish purplish rash that also has pain associated with it. Huxley talks about the children having lupus a few times in the first three chapters. My thought was that the experiments had triggered the lupus in the children, much like the shots had created some autoimmune diseases in people. You can't mess with biology without consequences. Yeah, uh, there there are very... He, he gives you little lupus-colored hints that <laughs> the kind the kind of uh, 
children and adults we're dealing with here don't really look like us because there are there are certain things they couldn't work out in the lab yet. So different shades of of uh, you know new shades of what's their skin looking like their their eye hue maybe something else who knows but everybody is a test tube baby so it, you, you got to imagine that there's going to be something a little bit off about everyone. Yeah, the alphas uh, talk about how ghastly and beastly it is to look at the you know the deltas and the epsilons or whatever because they're the uh, they're short. And they talk about how they're 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 bred to be kind of these little goblin creatures. So, yeah, they're basically kind of like, um, for lack of better term, slow boys. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, just just a bit. Let's see here. Christoa says, this is my first time reading Brave New World, but not surprised by how disturbing it is. I'm particularly disturbed by the babies being conditioned to avoid beautiful things in the nature of being shocked. Uh, it reminds me of being told to stay off of the beach and don't go outside or you'll die during the pandemic. There's so much to be disturbed about in this book, and I find it difficult to read, but I'll continue on looking forward to hearing about others think about it. Well, I have to imagine, Christoa, that you are not alone in that respect. Um... Other people d expressing their their uh, nausea, their revulsion to all this. Let's see. Uh, Moira in New York City says, This was my first time reading Brave New World. I now know why I avoided it. I thought 1984 was bad. I had so many mixed emotions as I read these first three chapters. I worked my entire professional life in maternal child health among the uh, vivap viviparous. Viviparous? How do you say this? Viviparous? I guess so. The people who are pretty much breeding on their own and their yeah. families. As read the descriptions of the creating of a caste system of moreless cloned beings, I felt queasy. I remember the talk around the nurse's station when we heard about the first IV, uh, the IVF baby, Lewis Brown, Lewis Brown, or Lewis, Lois Brown. And it just 18 years later, they cloned the sheep Dolly. Reproductive technology rapidly, rapidly took hold with more couples needing IVF to have children. It was big business, out of reach for many. I often wondered if it was the chicken or the egg, destroying the family and our human connections. The very essence of our human experience has been the wet dream of the elites for a very long time. It's horrifying to see how so many of their strategies outlined here by Huxley are now in play. Social conditioning, MKUltra stood out already page 16 quote all conditioning aims at making people like their unescapable social destiny we will own nothing and be happy 15 minute cities springing up rapidly period here's the last one she she provided page 29 suggestions from the state end quote take the last three years as prime example of those suggestions wonderful moira thank you anything you got on that jay um no no i think i pretty much I mean, I've got, you know, a lot of notes on the whole book, but um, for one to three, that's all I've got right now. Yeah, no, this is where it is. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, for the next NJSF, a wonderful layout. This is a, uh, I mean, he has, I mean, I, to get into this thread, if you're listening at home, and I know you are, and if you're watching live right now, which we have nearly 100 people doing, um, just remember for the thousands who will read this and listen and listen along to our analysis when this all becomes public in a, about a month or so from now, um, just get into these threads. The, the, the Jay's analysis crowd is in there. Our crowd is in there. And it is wonderful how it is being excerpt 
the excerpts and all of the commentary and then the comments underneath. It's a wonderful experience. So don't uh, don't don't sell yourself short. Get into the threads and um, the links are provided in the, the description. So, um, Jay, here's what I have, because there's really not much more to, to say about well, this. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say, too, is that the um, we should also read. Uh, I think he has another work after this that's called Brave New World Revisited, which is also about how it's not uh, fiction. <laughs> have you heard of that? No. I would love to. Yeah, we, we should look at that, too. Uh, it's probably not that long, but we don't make if it is long i don't remember i haven't read it yet but um it's it's worth looking at because it's another thing where he you know basically says a lot of people misunderstood what i wrote uh it's it's you know it's not fiction oh this is directly from him yeah it's it's his it's a return to it to this to the book but he's basically saying that what it was really about it's called I, brave new world revisited i so would have it's, to it's basically it's a, like a sequel more or less but well, I would uh, love to do that um, because the, after this one, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to not want it to just end. I want to know a little bit more, especially if you had more thoughts on the subject. As far as our next session, um, I was thinking that for next Monday, we go chapter four through chapter six. So that means it's page 57 okay. to page 106. So chapter four, five, and six. So that uh, that's a complete, complete six. And... And there we go. We'll be on page 108, and then we'll split the next two weeks, and I don't know. This will be good. Um, and if we need to do a little bit more in the final weeks, then we'll do it. But uh, I, I think that this is nice so far. Jay, anything else you got going on coming up? And uh, if not, I think we're done. Um, well, I mean, uh, lecturing through a series of books. So we're lecturing through the um, Operation Gladio book by Paul Williams, as well as uh, some of the Cold War texts. Um, I should be done with the Milner Fabian book pretty soon too. It's, I'm at the end of that. Um, so we'll, we'll be lecturing through those and, um, I'm not sure what text we'll look at next, but, uh, probably something else related to, to geopolitics. Well, everybody's always going to be watching along with both of our shows. We have a lot of overlap and I have it, have your, uh, jaysanalysis.com is in the description. So I hope everybody's going and checking it out. And dude, dude, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's going to be a really wonderful drive. Yeah, I'll, let's let's do some more books too after we do this one. You got it, brother. And I'll talk to you soon. Right. Have a wonderful night. All right, you too, man. Bye. All right, take care, ladies and gents. There you have it. A little bit more. It's nine twenty-three. So, what do you think? Book club is fun. Now, this book is not in particularly that fun. It's a little bit more of a, I don't know, I, I certainly was a cautionary tale back in 1931. Uh, right now, it's a little bit more like, uh, you know, get the flamethrower out quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Quick, get the flamethrower. But we're going to do more of this, and chapters four through six should be enough, because I think the next chapters, I think they're multiple parts. It's like chapter one, part one, two, and three. So as long as we're going at least 50 to 60 pages at a clip, we should be done uh, by the end of, of March. And uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Email me at quite frankly podcast at gmail or protonmail.com you can message me on on uh patreon or subscribe star and like i said before get into that thread 
wonderful submissions from everybody. And uh, you can comment on everything. Make new friends out there. That's what it's all about. All right, guys. Have a great, great evening.